Welcome back to Hot Topic with me. I'm Jessica Seely. Here's another episode where you're going to talk about climate change again. Don't stop talking about it. Don't take a break, except for last week, because I was sick. Take a break last week. Hey, take last week off. You deserve it. I was sick. I got sick from working in the children's department of the library, where... Librarians were bragging about coming to work sick. It was a sad time for me to get the flu. Also, days like this, where everything is, uh, it's 100 degrees today, for real, October 23rd, and uh, there's a few fires that you can see burning around L.A., and uh, while wildfires have always been somewhat normal in Southern California, this is a... It's pretty extreme. It's pretty just like, oh, yep, there's a fire moving on. Like we kind of um, are starting to take it for granted a little bit. Just like, yeah, 100 degrees, late October, no big deal. Moving on. Everything's on fire. And um, I I have to kind of, I, I think that like some of the fires in L.A. and the heat laid, laid into the fall are kind of what made me start this podcast. Uh, just like this feeling of like, I grew up around LA and it wasn't, it didn't feel like this. I can feel some sort of shift. So there it is. I, um, did take last week off this podcast cause I was sick, but I don't know. I might switch to bi-weekly again. We'll see. It's actually hard to find people that want to talk to me about this, believe it or not. I have some people cancel, which is like completely understandable because people have things going on. And also like fitting talking into climate change, climate change in your day, especially with me, a strange smelling girl. It can be a strange decision for your day. But I had on Kelly Tatham this week, who is seemingly always down to talk about climate change. She's really, I think... I met her at an activist meeting locally, and I and I think she's uh, just someone that's really putting a lot of effort in her life into that, kind of raising the awareness about climate change and taking action. And uh, I think that's a neat thing to do. And I'm just like meet, trying to meet people. I'm just trying to talk to people who are talking about climate change. And... Uh, I can feel that it's starting to become a more normal part of my consciousness, not one where I feel, I'm feeling less isolated in it. I'm feeling less like, oh, I just had this weird, creepy thought, which is maybe the world's ending and maybe scientists have backed that up, but I just can't talk about it because it's too weird to like, oh, I'm starting to talk to people about this thing and this is something I'm aware of and something I can take action on and uh, can feel my feelings about. So 
that's where I'm at today. And I just don't ever want to feel numb. I'm really afraid of feeling numb. I read this article that was like about how we're gaining, we have too much information going through us. And the response to that is kind of a numbing effect of like, oh, you know, this many people got shot at this school this week. This happened, this happened. There's a fire over here. And, you know, you're maybe scrolling through your Instagram and seeing all this and your mind starts to become really numb to it. And you start, numbers start to not mean anything of like how many people are in jail or how many, like it it all starts to kind of uh, be a little too much for your brain to process. And then you don't start processing information deeply in a way where it turns from information to like knowledge and uh so that is something I have to become aware of too I'm realizing that I'm always overwhelmed and not just like with climate change but just like with daily things and I think it's just like just like walking around and all the noises I'm hearing and all the things I'm smelling and like all the people that are upset and all the people that are haunted. So like part of it is living in LA, but I think in general, like I need to be really sensitive to how much I'm taking in and, uh, maybe take some action to not take in things that don't serve me, such as like hours of Instagram. How will I do this? How will I cut myself off from Instagram? Nobody knows, but I think like just trying to focus on like, okay, what am I reading? Do I wake like, do I just like make sure that I'm reading a lot more books and like talking to people about those books and like engaging in knowledge in a more deepful way, meaning like deep that anyway, that's my goal. You guys get it. I don't need to keep rambling about that. That's where I'm at. And, um, I don't know. I just like you guys. I just like all of you. I really, I really do like everybody. (laughs) Uh, I, even people I hate, I just kind of like, I think I might've said similar things on this before. What a weird time. What a weird girl. Here I am. So yeah. Um, thank you for, uh, clicking on this for whatever reason you did. Maybe you're, uh, my mom and you realize that, uh, you can't keep lying to me about the fact that you're listening to this. So you actually clicked on this, doubt it, but maybe you're someone that found this because you are wanting to become less isolated in climate change, feelings, climate grief. So please reach out to me and um, tell me your thoughts and feelings on this subject and um, any feedback on this podcast or what you want to see or hear is always welcome. Um, you can just message me on the internet. My name's Jessica Seely. I think I'm the only Jessica Seely. Like, as a name, with it spelt that way. There's other kinds of Seelies, but my family, Seelie, S-E-L-E, I think we're the only ones. I don't even have a middle name. It's just, Jessica Seelie is enough for you to find me. You can do it. And, uh, and find each other. And you guys are perfect the way you are. I mean it. Don't, don't worry. Just, uh, just get, just go, go do it. Go have a nice time. I I will say that um, if you're in L.A., I've started getting involved with Extinction Rebellion, which is how I met this podcast guest. And this Sunday, there's going to be a hike um, and meditation in Topanga Canyon. 
So if you follow um, Extinction Rebellion LA, you can kind of find this stuff and uh, go out and meet people and get in touch with nature and rehabilitate yourself and take some actions. It is a privileged thing. It is, it is a privilege to be able to engage with any sort of activism. Um, and I recognize that. Um, do whatever you can, but mostly uh, be good to yourself. That's the most important thing. There goes a motorcycle. Good for them. They're buzzing around the city. Um, hopefully having a good night, being alive, feeling the wind on their face in this Mad Max-esque landscape with fires burning in the background, zooming around on their Zoom Zoom. And I'm in my apartment for the night, which is also pretty hot. It's pretty hot um, for October in my apartment, my little oven. So I really hope that you enjoy listening to this interview with Kelly. She's an interesting person, and she um, has obviously been doing a lot of work in um, both like in activism and mentally and spiritually to get involved with climate change stuff. And it was really nice of her to come um, over here. She barely knows me to talk to me about climate change for you guys. So enjoy. Um, so thank you, Kelly, for being on Hot Topic today. It's my pleasure. Thank you for having me. Um, as I was saying, you're one of the first non-comedians. Um, you're somebody that I met at a, um, at a, um, activist meeting and I've seen you a couple times since then. And, um, it seems like you have a very interesting, um, process of, um, talking about and acting on climate change stuff. Yeah, um, I try and see the bigger picture, look at the bigger picture, and connect all of the dots. Like, really bigger picture. Like, you're talking about multiverse here yes. and stuff. You're getting as big as possible. You're like, let's let's look at the infinite scenario. And then it's very like, um, you know, like when you watch superhero movies or fantasy movies, there's always, like, some character that has some sort of, uh, like they're able to see every scenario, you know, like, uh, um, not Captain America, Dr. Dr. Strange, Dr. Strange, right. That's Benedict Cumberbatch. Yeah. Now. They deal with the multiverse. Right. He, he like says, he's, I have looked at every scenario possible and in only one does this come out <laughs> <laughs> the way we want or something like that. So but luckily they got that one yeah. in the superhero movie. So that's great. <laughs> so good for the Avengers. But anyway, tell me about yourself and, and how you got to this point in this dimension. In this dimension. In this timeline. <laughs> yeah. Right. Because who knows what I'm doing in other timelines. I'm definitely talking about the multiverse in multiple timelines, but not all of them. Um, I'm, a, I'm a filmmaker and a writer, and I've been doing that most of my life. Um I've always been interested in the multiverse. My um, 
how I got into it was really through watching films like Run Lola Run and um, other uh, and 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 plays like Sure Thing by David Ives, uh, and that's always been my way into um, into other worlds is through storytelling, and that's always been an obsession of mine. Uh, but I really got into the multiverse when uh, I was making a, a web pilot several years ago, and we had an actor drop out halfway through filming. And we had to recast and we were scrambling. We're like, what do we do? How do, how do we write this in? And um, we're like, oh, we'll just set it in the multiverse. Perfect. We can explain everything away. We can explain this actor change away by saying that it's in the multiverse and we just switch timelines. <laughs> wow, cool. Yeah, that's how I feel watching those superhero movies, especially. I'm like, oh, I just have to believe whatever they say of like, okay, he's gotten bit by a spider and then... This other person is, and then they sl slipped into another universe, and then this guy uh, has infinity rings, and yeah, just, you just you just kind of decide that you go with. It's like being a child or something, and then being like, now this is lava. Yeah, and <laughs> you got to be careful not to make it a cop out though, because all of a sudden you're like, well, I can do anything because it's infinite. But um, I don't actually think the multiverse is infinite per se. Uh, I think that it's uh, all possible outcomes, all possible timelines. So actually Stephen Hawking in his final paper that he left us with said that all alternate universes, all parallel universes must abide by the same laws of physics as ours, which puts a bit of a constraint on it. Oh, really? How does he know that? There's math. There was math done. I don't know. Oh, that. <laughs> I'll have to look at his numbers. Yeah. Well, huh. I didn't dig that deep. Um, <laughs> but how I really got into the multiverse uh, was, oh, sorry, into into all of this kind of esoteric um, excitement and knowledge is a film that I made a couple years ago called Multiverse Dating for Beginners, and. Yeah, I was. I, I gotta check that out. Yeah, check it out. It's uh, it's on it's on YouTube. It's on Dust, um, and uh, it's it's having a nice life on its own on the internet. All sorts of comments from all sorts of people out there, which has been really interesting to engage with. The, a lot of men upset with it, so I feel like I did anytime, part of my job. Right? Anytime men are upset, you know you're doing good work. <laughs> yeah, men on YouTube, if they're upset, I'm like, oh, I've I've succeeded. Um, but they also, I've learned a lot. I learned a lot from their comments too, but that's a whole other conversation. But I uh, was really struggling in dating and uh, was having a hard time of finding someone to love me back. It all starts with dating. Doesn't it always? <laughs> it's the search for love. I think the search for right. love is... Yeah. I think the search for love is inherent or the search for validation is inherent in all things. Yeah. Talk about a multiverse. If you've been on Tinder, oh, God. that's slipping into a different dimension to be sure oh darker timelines <laughs> i see darker timelines lay before me yeah i actually met my boyfriend on tinder oh good for you and uh he's normal but uh a unicorn yeah it's like i i fell into a black hole and then so did he Sorry, I'm trying to use this language. <laughs> now I'm going into like a Matthew McConaughey interstellar sort of um, scenario, except instead of a black hole, it's a Tinder. A Tinder hole. A Tinder hole. Yeah. Anyway, sorry. It started with dating. Started with dating. Yeah. And, um, 
being left with a lot of what ifs. And I figured the best way to explore that was with the metaphor of the multiverse. And so I used parallel universes to, to tell that story, to like play out different scenarios. Like, oh, if I'd done this differently, if I'd said this differently, would it have ended differently or would it not have ended? And so um, that led into a black hole, a wormhole of research and obsession with all sorts of different theories. And mm -hmm. then I started seeing all of these. Um, like, oh, I'm on the ghosting timeline. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> well, yeah, and then technology starts glitching and it's just gets way out of hand. Uh, but then I started seeing these uh, ties from, you know, multiverse theory to my dating experiences to what's happening in the world to climate change to capitalism and I realized that it was all connected and uh, that's that became this new passion of mine was connecting the dots in an attempt to help fix the state of the planet wow that is a cool story like if we're if we're just um pretending that this is just a story it's like her seek her seek her search for love led her to um the search for the true nature of reality the truth for the yeah i mean that's pretty cool yeah as depressing as times are it's sort of badass as a <laughs> thanks i i always you know you're i've always been so broken heart i've been in so many broken hearted situations and i'm like i have to find a way to make this better and i have to find a way to learn and grow from this experience so that i'm not just left with this like broken ego wow it's like i want to thank whoever broke your heart almost yeah. for the work you're doing now did you know that adele's ex sued her for the rights to the album or something because he was yeah he was like oh these songs wouldn't exist if i so i should get a cut which i feel like is an ultimate fuck boy uh move right there oh my god and she's probably like i can't believe i wasted my time on you so when you save the planet there's gonna be some guy that's like eh, where's my credit right <laughs> so cool oh they can they can come for it you know i wish them all the best <laughs> uh yeah so here you are and how are you how are you feeling i'm i'm very interested in um uh, the process and like where you're at with like, um, just talking about climate change at all. Yeah. Yeah. So today, today I'm really good. Yesterday I spent half the day sobbing. Mm -hmm. Honestly, I, um, I've been working on this, um, adapting this talk that Extinction Rebellion gives, which is called the Heading Towards Extinction talk and what to do about it. And, uh, it delivers all of the really, really hard facts that they've gathered from uh, the UN and renowned scientists, peer-reviewed journals, and it's bleak. It is so bleak. And sitting with that information is just devastating. And I'm a person who feels a lot, and I allow myself to feel when it comes up. I don't think it's healthy to suppress it to an extent. You know, we can't spend our whole lives crying. That wouldn't be good. But we have to release things when they come through. So yeah. it, it really, every day is different. Um, some days I feel really optimistic, uh, like today when I feel like motivated, I know I'm doing yeah. things that I'm communicating to people, I'm doing what I can. Then other days when I'm sitting with that information, it's heartbreaking. And then sometimes I get really angry. I get really frustrated that I feel like people aren't listening the way that I want them to. Um, and I know that people are listening, but I, I guess I wish that I was seeing more action from other people, mm -hmm. more conversation, more openness mm -hmm. and that's happening, but 
we are very much out of time, even though time is an illusion. <laughs> wow. Those two things together. <laughs> That's the thing. So I'm, I'm writing a book right now and it, it, it opens with the sentiment of we're out of time. We're out of time. Uh, what are we, what are we going to do? We have to save the world. Mm-hmm. And then the next thing, the next line is, but time is an illusion and there is no world. Okay. So it's like, okay, how do we parse all of this? And this is something I do struggle with as well. I, I spend a lot of time in like existential angst because I understand the science, but then I also understand um, a lot of metaphysical concepts. I understand, I engage a lot in spiritual communities um, and spiritual thinking. And so I see, can see things from all these angles and it's, it's very challenging because you know, sometimes we're like, okay, well, we know that our thoughts have a part in creating our reality. Um, so I need to stay positive. But I'm like, well, I can't stay positive all the time because then I wouldn't be talking about what's happening in the world and what's been happening in the world since way before I was born, before my thoughts had any part in this. So I'm figuring out how to walk this line of, you know, staying up and bringing in spiritual knowledge, which ultimately is just like love and sharing and compassion and community, while also knowing that my anger is valid, that my grief is valid, that I have to process those things to to grow and move and evolve. And it's complex. It's really complex. Wow. <clears throat> I feel like that takes so much to just, I mean, I think part of my problem and what I'm worrying about with, you know, kind of approaching this topic for myself is I've really used grief and feeling things to, um, to paralyze me mm. and to, mm-hmm. uh, and to, and to abuse myself, you know, mm. just kind of mm-hmm. like, it's not crying cause I'm feeling this. It's crying cause, cause bad. Right. Because you're bad. Right. Because it's bad, you yeah. know? And yeah. So that's what happens when we allow, when we, we engage with shame. Oh, right. Shame. Mm. Yeah. The, and it's hard, it's hard not to, to live in shame or shame other people when mm-hmm. talking about this sort of Absolutely. stuff or feeling this kind of stuff. Because, and I think that's part of the reason why maybe people aren't engaging with it as much as they want to is like, one thing I noticed when when we were holding the the banners above the freeway, which to me was terrifying, <laughs> I was so afraid of that. But anyway, it was really good because a lot of people were honking in support. You know, um, only a few middle fingers out the window. <laughs> yeah, there was one Trump twenty twenty, and I was just like, "Who even are you? Like, are you real?" Uh-huh. Um, but uh, but for the most part, I was like, "Wow, overwhelming support from the one hundred and one today," mm-hmm. and uh, and these are all people in cars. You know, so they're all contributing, but they all are, and I drive too. So it's very like, um, it's like, how do we hold all of this? Like, how do I, how do I drive my Ford Fiesta? And at the same time, uh, like how, how do I live within this modern reality and take care of myself and, and like live within the system we have, but also like flip it around. Yeah. It, we have to use the web to get out of the web. So that's something. And we have to be gentle with ourselves. And we have to be kind to ourselves. Because capitalism is... The ideologies behind capitalism are why the world is burning. Capitalism is a really rough time. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I was thinking about that yesterday because I was sending in a job interview. I would describe myself right now as underemployed. <laughs> I'm not gainfully employed. So I'm, you know, I'm applying to jobs so that I can 
uh, better take care of myself and, uh, and, and I feel so much shame when I sent in a resume, mm. you know, just like, oh, I'm not good enough. Like capitalism has this way of being like, you can't even, you know, you have to work really hard mm-hmm. to do this thing you don't want to do. Mm-hmm. There's just so much. And then on top of it, I'm like, okay, I got to, you know, uh, take care of myself, get a job, blah, 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 make sure I'm writing, make sure I'm doing it. And then I got to deal with climate change too. It just feels like. I, and I'm someone that's in kind of a good position. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, I'm just like, how could people with kids, how is anybody, you can't, how is anybody just going to start dealing with this or unpackaging yeah. this yeah. while, while we're living within this, um, situation? It's so challenging. It's so challenging because you can't, you can't do it all. And we can't, um, nobody's perfect. No one's ever going to be perfect. And we're all contributing to the degradation of the planet just by being alive. Um, but the first thing I, I believe is, is to really like let yourself off the hook because the, we are taught that we need to work harder, that we need to do more. Um, and we are taught not to feel okay with ourselves. You know, there's kind of this, we all have this void inside of us. that's like, you know, the place where all this love needs to be, where capitalism has taught us that, oh no, that's where your products go. That's where your purchases go. You know, this Mm. is how you feel okay. Like, oh, you don't feel good. Uh, have a drink, Uh, buy a new t-shirt, you know, take a vacation, you know, all of these things that we are inundated with. And then that's consumerism. That's why the planet is burning is because we fill, 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 fill. And shame is what paralyzes us in that place. Fill the void. Yeah, and so shame actually um, shame is is it, it paralyzes us. It keeps us stuck because it it is part of that belief system of we're not good enough. And so when you beat yourself up, that is actually bad for the planet. <laughs> I've been I've been thoroughly taught to beat myself up here. We all have. Yeah, we all have, and it, and it, and it's and it's no one's fault. And we need to stop blaming ourselves, and we need to stop blaming other people. Mm. That's something I'm, I've been working with is, is right. And I, I see the, the, I feel the desire to pro- project shame on other people. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, um, the truth is, is the person I am projecting shame on might have an equal effect on the planet as me, but I want to shame then. So I feel like I'm making less of a negative impact. Yeah. Because I'm like, if I, you know, if I see someone eating something that I know has an impact or doing something, then I, I want to be like, well, you shouldn't, you know? Yeah. And it, and it's, um, it's a huge barrier to getting people involved too. Absolutely. But, um, but it's hard. Yeah. The, everyone out there is just a mirror for us. Mm-hmm. And so when we're judging them and we're judging ourselves. Yeah. True. So like, uh, hmm. And then I also need to not judge people that are judging me (laughs) for judging me. I mean, it's tough. It's tough. Yeah. It's tough. I I still judge people all the time. And then I have to remind myself, like, no, stop it. You know, you're not perfect. They don't have the tools. And ultimately, you know, the biggest damage is being done by by the billionaires, you know, these very lofty higher up people. Mm, Question. Can we judge them? (sighs) We can judge them, but I don't know that judgment is useful. I f- okay, one thing that I think is useful in terms of organizing people 
is kind of creating this villain, mm. this kind of narrative. I've mm. noticed that people get more involved if they're like, yeah, you know, than that they're the bad, mm-hmm. you know, um, which is kind of true. But it, but it is like, um, are they just some sort of ultra projection of all of us in some way? Yeah, I mean, I think that that's an interesting... We're taught that in the concept of good versus evil, you know, that's every superhero film that's, you know, the blockbuster narrative is good versus evil. And it does bring people together. It galvanizes us. And yet, I don't know that labeling people as evil... um, is, is, is useful. I think we have to understand their, their humanity, that the system that created us is the system that created them. We're mm-hmm. all products of this culture. And again, blaming doesn't necessarily move the dial forward. I think if it does bring people together, just like, you know, the president has um, provoked a lot of positive action out of necessity. Mm. Um, and yeah, so it's not like it's not one or the other. It's 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 moving forward with the ability to say this person is acting in an evil way, but I understand that they were taught to be that way. I also understand that in the situation that we're in right now, we we need people to provoke us like that to to wake us up and to bring us together, and everyone's doing their part. I also believe that things can't be differently than how they are and that they're unfolding as they're meant to which I know is challenging for some people because a lot of people out there are in pain and it's, you don't, it's not a nice sentiment to say like, Oh, well, that's just like the way it is. It's meant to be. And yet how can things be any different? Mm-hmm. So, you know, are people evil? Yes, sure. But that's ultimately just a label and they're just a product of the same system that we're a product of. And I think to, evolve to survive which is what you know we're trying to do here is to to see their humanity and to move through it and to find a way to understand why they do the things they do instead of blaming them for the things they do right yeah it's hard because i I think that like you know the climate you know fighting climate change is like a stance for a movement Mm -hmm. i think it is already kind of esoteric or it is it's so big existential and existential it's so existential and it's so like wait what like actually at the one of the protests uh, that day at city hall someone asked me like what are you protesting (laughs) i was like uh climate change denial oh my god (laughs) you know i probably could have come up with a better question but it's not you know if you're doing things like what you know, certain local organizations do being like, we're getting rid of the oil drilling in this community. Right. I think that that is really great and like really localized. Um, I think I've always had the problem of making things too big and existential. So mm-hmm. it might be perfect for me, <laughs> but it, it is very, um, it is very like in terms of like creating a movement around it challenging. Cause it's like, do we make it about the science? I feel like that it can be pretty boring and stress people out and like it's confused. I don't know. You feel like you have to be a scientist to do, or do you, do you, do you create this situation where you're like, uh, 
saying, oh, you know, like these, we got to take down these evil, like uh, billionaires, which isn't untrue. It's all true. Mm -hmm. Um, But, um, but you're kind of coming it from, from this uh, like sort of spiritual um, angle, which I think is pretty interesting. Yeah. You know, someone asked me the other day, they're like, what's it going to take for people to wake up? And I thought, I'm like, well, you know, the Amazon is burning at an astounding rate. We lost 11 billion tons of ice in the Arctic in one, like in Greenland in in one day this summer. Um, It's like, what was I doing that day? (laughs) Right? (laughs) And like, you know, heat waves are buckling pavement. People are dying. So I'm like, well, we haven't, if we're not awake from these things, then what will it take? I don't know. I think people need to be directly impacted to wake up. And so I, I, I waffle back and forth, you know, I'll speak to people about these issues, like the, you know, the ice melting and they go, okay, yeah, that's terrible. And yet they continue living their day-to-day lives. Maybe they shop more locally or they stop buying new clothes but they are still living more or less normally um, and which is not enough for us at this point. Um, So I instead take a step back and go, how do I see the bigger picture? How do I talk to people about their feelings, about their beliefs? And I look at dismantling those things because I believe that those are, that's the base for everything that we do. We have these worldviews that we take for granted. We think, well, you know, um, I grow up, I get married, you know, two people fall in love. That's what they do. We just assume that that is Mm -hmm. the norm. We don't realize that, you know, monogamy is a construct that was invented by humans, that love in marriage is only, is like less than 300 years old. That's a brand new idea, yet we assume it to be true. And so I look to poke at all of those foundations of beliefs because I know that, they're all part of the system that we're living in, the world that we've created. And if we're able to create cracks in there, then perhaps we can crumble the way things are faster than, than just conceptualizing and understanding what's happening out there physically with climate change. Because humans aren't wired to respond to slow-moving threats. We're just not. And when Mm -hmm. it comes down to, oh, I have to get a job and I have to drive my car to that job and I have to pay my bills, you can't stop doing that. None of us, most of us aren't equipped, aren't able to do that. So I'm looking to to find different ways in and also give tools and provide support for when the waves of grief do come and hit everyone because that is coming and it's not that far off. Mm-mm. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. I just got to sit with that for a second. Yeah. So you want people to live. You understand that people ha- are got to keep living normally, but you also want them to live not normally. <laughs> yeah. I want people to live. I want people to be able to strip back all of the noise and all of the stuff that they've been taught and figure out what's actually in their hearts and live that way. Because mm. I think that what's really deeply, truly in our hearts is is the path. And mm. um, once we're able to remove all the noise, we can live in a means that doesn't harm the planet. That being said, we still need to implement an incredible amount of technology to live a modern life without harming 
the world because we all live in ways that that hurt the world. We do have that technology. It is available. We just need to get take the funding away from oil and gas, put it towards renewables, fund more tech that is um, sustainable. You know, we're moving into a place where AI could take over many, many, many jobs. There could be universal basic income. A lot of people wouldn't even have to work anymore, mm. which will which kind of shatters this whole reality we have set up. Our whole worth is based on our work. Yeah. People need their jobs to have purpose. And so what does a world look like? You know, forget about climate change for a second. If we just move, you know, even if, if climate change wasn't happening, we're still moving into unknown territory with, with the way things are shifting with technology and AI. So we're like heading into a, we're already in a clusterfuck, but things, you know, what's happening with um, the, the way that they're able to create fake video now where you can't tell the difference. You know, I don't know if you saw the video of Obama talking that it had been doctored and no one could tell that it had been completely doctored. They put words in his mouth that he wow. never said. And um, that's where technology is at. So we're, it was everything's splintering. And this is the multiverse, right? Everyone's living in their different world. And now there's all these things coming out of the culture that reinforce those different worlds and those different beliefs that people become more and more isolated in their unique version of reality. Wow, yeah. The isolation is a big thing right now. Mm -hmm. It's so easy to be isolated mm -hmm. um, with our technology, which is kind of weird because yeah. we're reaching for the technology to connect, but then it's very... It can very much be isolating as well if we don't have also community to rely on. That's why community is so more important and connecting with people and being out in the world and out in nature. And again, that's a thing. You know, and okay, we need to we need to connect. We need to love each other more. And it all comes down to again being okay with ourselves, accepting that the void is there, and finding ways to fulfill it through our own self-love and our own purpose instead of shutting down and scrolling or consuming crap. Because again, it's it, it, like everything, 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 everything can, can be tied back to those empty feelings inside of us. <laughs> yeah. The void. The void. Yeah. This is also interesting to me. What's kind of coming up for me is a uh, I, uh, so I, I stopped drinking. I'm mm -hmm. in a 12 step program for, for drink drinking. And, um, kind of when you said, um, uh, you know, like, oh, people need to feel the consequences personally in mm -hmm. their life mm -hmm. to change. Mm -hmm. Um, cause people, you know, people with drinking or addiction problems who might say something like, oh, well, you know, I haven't lost my job or my house or something like that. And then what we say is like, yet, you know, mm -hmm. but you, but so now, you know, kind of when these 12 step programs started, um, it, you really did have to hit bottom. They mm -hmm. said they were like, you have to lose your house mm -hmm. to stop drinking. Mm -hmm. But then like the, the kind of system grew the, you know, the community grew so much that you could see enough people losing their house and relate to them and be like, I'm actually you right now. Mm. Um, like I, I'm positive. I can feel that if I keep drinking, that's really soon. Mm -hmm. So it, it, you can feel the consequences upon you earlier. Mm. And, um, 
Yeah. So it's just kind of like, um, how, how do we make kind of a future reality in, in this, um, uh, timeline, (laughs) not to use your language, but like, if I keep moving in this direction, this is what will happen. It some, so I don't think people can see the other option sometimes too, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I hear what you're saying. I do think that there is a tipping point where people will wake up mm-hmm. it, and it's, we're getting closer to it. It's mm-hmm. becoming more and more prevalent. You know, there's a New York times article the other day, like, should I feel guilty about flying? That's a brand new thing that people are starting to talk about. And, and like the culture around the things that we do and how they impact the planet. And so I do think, you know, I say, oh yeah, how will it take people to wake up? It has to be in their face. I think if it happens to enough people they know, or if they see it enough on the news or it becomes constant enough in their lives, it will tip and people will wake up. Um, but we also have to be careful because things can tip into chaos too. Mm. With this talk, this Extinction Rebellion talk, after I, the first time I heard it, I thought to myself, I'm like, people will have panic attacks after they hear this. This is how, you know, if their nervous system isn't capable, if they don't have the tools to, to grasp this, you could either shut down and go into complete paralysis or completely lose it because it's the science is terrifying, which is why we need to include the conversation of this new science. There's all sorts of wonderful new science that isn't related to the climate that talks about how we're living in a space-time matrix, but space-time is actually doomed and consciousness is fundamental and we can heal ourselves and all sorts of amazing sci-fi-esque stuff. Um, But then we also need to give people the tools of community and connectivity and purpose and dismantle these notions of religion that again, it's just another way of filling the void with beliefs and... Okay, question. I, you know, so I'm coming to this place in my life where I'm realizing I can't, you know, and that that was one thing that kind of sucked about stopping drinking is I was like, oh, that's not an answer. And that sucks because I had an answer. Mm. So then I go to ice cream or something and then, but I already have kind of this model of knowing that something else isn't the answer. So, um... Nothing will fill the void. Right. So what do I do? Just have a void? <laughs> well, what's with the void? The void. <laughs> well, in Buddhism, they talk about, you know, how life is suffering and accepting that um, is the key to happiness. The Stoics talk about it as well. It's just being with, just being with what is, accepting that like there is going to be ups and downs. For me, I remind myself that pain, anger, grief, they're all part of the human experience. And a lot of spiritual communities believe that we signed up for this, that we came here for this, um, and that we came here to have this human experience of being separate from source, which is what a lot of people call God. But um, I, I like to think of it as the universe or source energy or just, you know, this place of infinite light. Or the force. The force, absolutely. Being separate from the force. And that's, that's what it's all about. Oh, Star Wars is super like they they know exactly what they're doing they know they know they're 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 slowly but surely guiding us in the right direction uh who knew disney would become a force for good there you go (laughs) making up for all those princess films um i've got a disney water bottle that's That's saving some plastic yeah absolutely (laughs) my my boyfriend works for oh nice the Walt disney company (laughs) 
Um, uh, so we support them here in this household. Yeah. <laughs> well, no, you know, I, I kind of stopped watching Marvel movies. There's just too many, but I've, you know, heard bits and pieces and learned a little bit here and there. I'm like, oh, they're, you know, they're, they're getting more nuanced. And, you know, the Star Wars films in particular, I think, are really, really brilliant. And the Force is totally, um, it's very, it's very esoteric. So I got to fill myself with Force and so- Source. Force and source. Force source. Yeah, so you just have to accept that you have to understand that you're here to have this experience and that there's no good or bad when it comes to emotions. Those are beliefs and labels mm. that we've attached to emotions. There's higher and le- uh, lower and higher vibrational emotions. So emotion like anger, really low vibrational emotion associated with your root chakra, the color red, which is the lowest frequency color on the spectrum. Right. And then you go up and, and you, there's joy up at the top, you know, and it's like a much higher frequency associated mm. with different colors. So it's lower and higher vibrational frequencies. They're not good and bad. We're the ones who attach good and bad experiences, oh, a yoga, beliefs. A yoga teacher told me I had a low frequency or something. She oh, yeah. was like, she kind of was saying, she used a yoga word that I don't remember, but she was like, you have a, this energy. I was like, what does that mean? And she was like, it means you have like a heavy dark <laughs> she she meant she didn't mean it negative but i was like that sounds bad <laughs> well you're just operating from your lower chakras and that's oh, okay kind of, we're vibing up but you can shift that anytime you know all you right know, you can move the energy around you can, yeah um but yeah no so but but part of the capitalist belief system is teaching us that those feelings are bad because when we feel those things and we're taught that they're bad, we want to suppress them. Right. So we buy things. Right. And yet- It's really sad for me that buying things isn't the answer. <laughs> I'm, really, I'm really having to part with that, like specifically ice cream. Like I hate it when I have a feeling I'm like, I could go get some ice cream. And then it's like, now that I have this awareness of the, that it won't help, I'm like, oh, how sad for me. <laughs> <laughs> I hear you, man. I gave up ice cream a while ago, but it was a tough one. I wow. loved ice cream. So ice cream is a really fun time. The dairy and the sugar, which are two things my bo- my body can't handle anymore. It well, just can't. that's the part. Another part of it is like as you're aging, these kinds of like uh, the, the ice cream is a pretty serious thing to digest. Oh yeah, I get violent acne. Oh my gosh, ice cream is just like okay, body, I get it. That's fine. <laughs> my body's like you can have it once. And we can do something with it. Yeah. But, but if you have it twice, you're going to have a yeast infection tomorrow. So, <laughs> and forever yeah. for the rest of your life. Well, and I think as, I think as we know more, um, we, our body can process less crap. You know, they talk about people who smoke until they're a hundred years old and they're fine because it's like, it's about this, like, it's this cognitive thing. And the more that you know about the stuff that you're putting into your body and how it's not good for you, the less you're able to handle it. Well, that's really trippy. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but something else I will say to, um, the, 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 the challenging emotions, we need those things to grow. Mistakes teach us how to change we never made mistakes where would we be be freaking boring if i'd never been broken up with i would not be the person i am today i would not be an interesting person i'd probably be married with kids somewhere in like 
living a boring life, you know, <laughs> it's all of these failures that have been the greatest gifts. And so we have to, to, to take a step back and reframe these experiences that are quote unquote negative or bad and understand that like, this is what's provoking our growth. And again, we came here for this experience. They're not actually as painful or uncomfortable as they may feel. They're not actually that way. That's just a belief. It's something that we're experiencing when you can take back and, and, and that look at it, it makes it, it makes it easier to move through it. So do do you believe that? Do you believe that we signed up for this? I do. Like before we were born, our soul had to like sign a contract. That's what I'm imagining. (laughs) I'm imagining like a Pixar movie of like your soul being like, you're going to experience pain. There's going to be a high stakes climate issue. And uh, so you're going to get chlamydia. (laughs) And then your soul's like, sounds really interesting. Let's try it. Yeah. I, that sounds fun for the Pixar version, for sure. Um, I think that, like, whatever's beyond here, where our souls live, you know, it's it's beyond anything that we can conceptualize with language. Um, I've heard some people talk about how the human experience is, like, the most coveted experience of all the planes or dimensions, that we're so lucky to be here to have this experience because it's the most interesting. We have a pretty wild consciousness. We do. Yeah, we do. It's so interesting. Think about it. We're, we're so lucky. We're so lucky. It's hard to handle though. And like, you know, just going back to the consumerism thing in terms of when you said like, oh, you know, don't just value yourself on your work. Like you can take it easy. You don't have to, you know, sometimes not doing stuff is like really good too. Don't value yourself on productivity. Mm -hmm. And I think part of my issue is when I'm not being productive it's not that I'm just being like, then I'm like, okay, cool. Time to shut it off and watch TV mm-hmm. or like, do like, I always do something that is, um, that, that isn't really, uh, it's not that I'm not, it's, it's not enriching. Yeah. There's something about it that, you know, sometimes I watch a movie and I, it is enriching. Mm-hmm. Right. But 90% of the time, if I'm looking on Instagram or whatever, it's like, I'm trying to shut down my consciousness. Yeah. Numb out. Right. Numb out. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Still trying to do that. Yeah. You know? I mean, I get it. I do it too. I, I'm on the scroll all the time. <laughs> and sometimes I learn things and sometimes I get to engage with other people's experiences in a really beautiful way. And sometimes I slip into jealous rages where I'm like, nobody loves me as much as they love these people. Instagram is great for that. Oh, it is a constant battle. There's even little numbers. Yeah. Even little Little numbers. Mm, You're not as valid as this person, you know? Mm -hmm. And uh, I haven't disengaged with it because I think that it's a net positive, but I often question that belief. I'm like, is it a net positive? It causes a lot of strife. I think I have to limit my time. Yeah. I think I have to start like putting a real time limit on it. Yeah, totally. So I have all these goals for how I'm going to connect, but I I definitely do have so much resistance to, um, and even like, you know, with being like, okay, I'm going to start engaging with climate change activism. I'm so slow to it. It's like I, you know, I put my pinky in the, in the water. I wouldn't say you're slow to it. Oh, I don't know. We're here having this uh, conversation. That's true. (laughs) But I, I definitely am, I'm being very wary of how much I let in. Hmm. It's very like, I, I can... I want to engage with it, but not be consumed because I, you know, 
having it and it, addiction problems, I have con consume consumption issues. I totally get that. And I've definitely, um, swung into it and, but to the, to my detriment sometimes. And, um, I think that's, it's wise to just take your steps and go at your own pace because it is very overwhelming. It can become very overwhelming and, you know, to go in step-by-step step to arm yourself with information bit by bit and feel it out. That's okay. Yeah. Even starting, actually starting this podcast, um, has been very like, uh, after the first few episodes, I felt like physically ill, mm. like just talking about climate change for 40 minutes to an hour. I was like, this is really yucky. Yep. Now it's starting to feel a little more digestible a little bit, but mm -hmm. I, I still worry about other people. I don't. And that's what I worry about looking at that. The presentation is, am I going to do this presentation is like. I don't want to make people ill. I know. I know. I know. Like, I just read the talk, and then I was crying for a whole day. Like, devastated. But you're feeling okay today? I'm feeling okay today because um, cause we're doing an action soon, and because we're doing this podcast, and because um, I, I, I moved through the feelings um, and, and, and reminded myself of all the things I know. You know, you're here to have this experience. Uh, you're here to teach people and to talk to, to people and to help people. And I know, I do know that I'm an infinite being having a human experience. Mm. And I remind myself that at all times, even when it's like shockingly upsetting. Um, but yeah, no, it's just like, it's always, it's going to get more and more complex. It's going to get more and more nuanced. It's going to get more and more confusing and overwhelming, and we just need to be gentle with ourselves. Um, because, like, the world is... The, the planet as we know it, the world as we know it, is changing. And, like, we're kind of in the... I don't even know if we're in normal days anymore. I think that we are... We're absolutely frogs in boiling water, and the temperature has been turned up, and most of us have not realized it yet. <laughs> so, you know, to your point of going slow, like just again, be gentle with yourself, take your time. And I would say just find ways into it where you, you know, you can take that step back and see the bigger picture, like the multiverse picture. <laughs> it is helpful. It mm -hmm. is helpful. Not even multiverse, just universe. universe like if yeah. I, if I don't want to expand too much, even just looking at the ocean it, things that are really big, <laughs> the ocean, the universe out there. And it's just like, it, it is, it's, it's big enough to hold the issue that we're facing on earth. Mm -hmm. Like the universe has got it mm -hmm. covered. Yeah. Yeah. You know, you know, it's going to be okay. And even if we don't make it in this timeline, you know, like we'll go off somewhere else. Like maybe we'll go through some like intense anguish and pain and suffering. And like, just like billions of people throughout all of history have, you know, that's just, that's just what it is. We're here in LA and living very privileged lives and we're very fortunate. <clears throat> that's the other thing that I've noticed has been coming up a little bit with the extinction, extinction rebellion in, mm. in London or something. And there's been kind of these arguments of, uh, the classism that's been happening, which, uh, I don't know if you saw that there was like something about some riot in the, the tube. Yeah. Yeah. So someone, uh, so XR is self-organizing and it is a whole bunch of people 
working to combat this issue, um, the most pressing issue of all time. <laughs> but it's not... So one person doesn't represent the whole, but one person can represent the whole when they do something like that. And they got up on the tube in an area where it was working class people who needed to get into work. And I read that um, XR, that a lot of people had tried to talk them out of that action, mm. uh, but they did it anyways. And it happened. And I think it was really helpful because it's like, that was just, that was just one day, a couple hours of people's times, nothing nothing life-changing. And that was an opportunity for us to all have the conversation of what are we really doing here in terms of, you know, disruption? Because right. like, things need to be disrupted. Working class people don't need to be disrupted. You know, we need to be disrupting billionaires. We need to be disrupting banks. Working class people are just doing their best to get by. You know, we can start disrupting the middle class, sure, you know, or the upper middle class, but the people who have the means and the ability, but someone who's just out there trying to feed their family, like, we can give them all sorts of tools of community and love and all of that, but, it, you know, we can't, we can't go around disrupting their lives when they're just trying mm. to do their best. Yeah. It, it's hard to disrupt, like, a bank, though, because you could disrupt, like, we could go to the Bank of America across the street but then it would just be the tellers that are working there. <laughs> like it wouldn't be, we wouldn't really be disrupting the Bank of America, even if we shut down this branch, right? Sure. Across you need the to street. Get to the. It's like, how do we get those guys? <laughs> well, you know, the public needs to be aware of how the banks are funding oil and gas um, because money is such a huge linchpin, right? Money is. The, the, what makes the world go round, really. And if we're able to take the money away from any, everything that's damaging the planet and put it towards renewables and sustainability, that that's one of our own, that's our only chance. That has to be done at some point. The sooner, the better. Um, and it, I think it's it will take public awareness and public pressure. If everyone's threatening to pull their money from the banks and put it into local credit unions, then. They will change, but not enough people are aware and not enough people care. And that's where direct action comes in. Um, I think that we there have already been protests involving banks um, uh, across the states and, and the world, um, but not big enough yet to, to kind of click into the public consciousness. Uh, there's an amazing New Yorker article called um, Money is the, f the Fuel on Which Global Warming, the Global Warming Fire Burns. And... Um, I recommend everyone read that article. It goes into the logistics of how the banks are funding everything. And, and so these, there are people out there working on it. And I do think that it will be, it will become a public conversation within the next year. Um, and then people will have the opportunity to, everyone is able to, I would say almost everyone is able to go and switch their bank fairly easily. Um, but again, yeah, it's the more money you have, the more power you have in terms of those sorts of things. Hmm. Yeah. But we all have power. We all have immense power. That's something I've noticed. Like, I'm like, wow, we have a lot more power than we think we do. Mm -hmm. And uh, there's so much going on, you know, with the president we, that we have. And, you know, there's detention centers with children and all this mm -hmm. stuff that mm -hmm. um, <clears throat> it's so easy to feel. It's almost like we're they're trying to make us like too tired. Absolutely. And Absolutely. Uh, it's so easy to feel so powerless. Oh, completely. And like, we've completely normalized to the insanity. Um, there was another, uh, I think a New York times opinion article the other day talking about how people need to take to the streets to protest, 
protest protest <laughs> i've lost I've lost lost the word um to protest trump because it's just like how are we not on the streets protesting every day and we just completely normalized and that's what i think a lot of what they're doing with this the things that he says and the tweets and all of that is to keep people distracted and to keep them overwhelmed and it, once once you're constantly inundated it just becomes noise and then you just go about living your life so we have to actively remove ourselves from that place of just like oh well just another thing you know and go no this is madness and we need to do something about it we need to be taking to the streets but it's it's so much more complex than that because it's like we can't be on this well we could be on the streets all of the time but then that could become utter chaos and that's not the solution either so again it's just like such a a challenging multifaceted conversation but everyone needs to be to wake up from that numbness which means removing the alcohol which means removing the ice cream or whatever it is that you're numbing with because we all do that you can even numb with meditation and yoga if that's kind of your hit you go in and you're like well i'm just gonna do this yoga all the time and then i'll feel okay like we have to get comfortable with not feeling okay Okay. Hmm. Because the world is not okay. We need to get comfortable with grief and anger and anguish and depression and just be with all of those things and use them as motivation. Use them to take action. Because when we're numb, we're not getting anything done. Yeah. Numbness is an issue. Mm -hmm. For sure. So what would you say to someone like me that's like, uh... I'm a comedian, but there's like all these issues or like, or like anybody doing anything like, um, how, how would you say like, what's, what's a few things? Okay. Here's some, this is advice with Kelly. (laughs) What's something that, um, a listener could do today to disrupt the normalcy of their life or numbness or something? What's one way that they could like, um, fill their void? Mm Mm-hmm with source force um force i love that that's so good <laughs> the force i am getting nerdier as i get older too no, there's, it's great. Some, it's there's so much thing happening with me. <laughs> it's amazing it's so much more digestible because like people are like oh source I, I think i like that more than god or the universe but like force i'm like yeah everyone gets that everyone's already on board with the force it's so weird because talking about kind of all these existential things like the universe or the source and stuff like that, it, it seems a little woo, but it's like, I've just gotten in my place, this place in my life where, and I think Trump and climate change have really pushed me into it where I'm like, yeah, that's a thing. It has to be. Um, what alternative is there? Yeah. The way I see it, um, a lot of people I've talked to figure, oh, it's all meaningless. What's the point? Why should I even bother? The concept of meaning wouldn't have any meaning without the concept of meaninglessness. The concept of good would not have any meaning without the concept of evil. Happy does not exist without sad. This is, this is how polarities work. They are two sides of the same coin. So you can choose meaning or you can choose meaninglessness. They're equally valid. But they cancel each other out. Not, one isn't true without the other. And so it's just up to you to choose. So you choose the woo or like choose the bleakness. Yeah. Whatever. The, yeah. The other side of that coin is very nihilist mm-hmm. of like, uh, well, what's going to happen is going to happen. And, you know, exactly. And like, if, if that's what someone chooses to do, that's fine. But they can't go around saying like, well, this is how it is. And it's like, no, 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 no. 
there's two sides of the same coin. Definitely nihilism, it feels like it's easier. It's almost, it's a little bit easier to, to Sure, because you don't have tank. to do anything. Yeah, but it, do, 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 you know what I mean? It feels a little more real. Yeah. yeah. Like everything is meaningless. I don't think it feels more real to me, but it sounds more real to the, my brain. Yeah. To my human brain. Not like my consciousness, but just like as a logic thing. Yeah. It's just like... Every, you know, because everyone has everyone has a different worldview. Everyone's brain is different. Everyone has a different constitution. So some people are going to ad- ad- click onto nihilism very easily, and some people aren't going to be interested in it at all. And it just depends on you know your biology and your socialization. Mm. Yeah, I have to pull myself out of nihilism mm. and uh, my low frequency <laughs> energy. <laughs> energy. This is what I'm working with. Yeah. Um, Go take a Kundalini class. Circulate some of that energy. Right. I've heard of that. Yeah. It's wild. Can do. It's wild. <clears throat> Can do. Um, so, yeah. Okay. I guess I, I was asking, like, oh, could you ask for uh, what other people... But I'll just ask you what you do. So, like, what's what one thing you do in a day to um, to disrupt an example of how you've disrupted your life in a, in a small way? Mm, that anyone can do. Yeah. Yeah. It's going gonna, it's gonna to shock you guys. It's so easy. <laughs> it's so easy and it's so powerful. Um, vulnerability, vulnerability, telling someone how you actually feel, um, or communicating a truth that is uncomfortable. Mm. You know, say you're, you're going on a date and, um, they want to go for drinks and you're like, well, I don't drink anymore. And then you go out and then you actually explain to them why you don't drink and how it made you feel. And like the, the pressures and not in just this, like the, here's my whole, everything like, no, no, no. Like, you know, there's a line, but sharing your uncomfortable truths, the things that make you afraid, the things that you're afraid invalidate you, that make you worthless, those are the things that make you human. Those are the things that disrupt our belief system that, that we're not good enough, that we're separate from the force, that we need to fill the void. By communicating our truths, we disrupt the whole system. I love that. I love so like someone listening to this could go into their barista their barista tomorrow and their barista goes, How's your day, Bill? And then they could say, like, I'm scared. Yeah, you're like, I'm scared, and I'm scared, and I'm struggling, but it's nice to see you, and I'm happy to be here, you yeah. know? And I think as comedians, I mean, such an important job, becoming more and more important by the day, and the whole field of comedy is just, I think, in a whole upheaval right now. Um, I think uh, Hannah Gadsby's Nanette was just blew my mind wide open and I think blew the genre, the, the whole medium of comedy wide open. And then we're seeing a lot of ugh, pushback from people like Dave Chappelle going in different directions. Um, and I feel like he's kind of doing more of the blame thing versus where Hannah Gadsby's doing the vulnerability thing. Um, and again, it's all, it's all valid. It's all part of what we're moving through. But as, as, a, as a comedian, you know, you have the whole stage there to, to be vulnerable and to, to turn that into, you know, a gift for other people to, to understand themselves, to give them permission and to release the tension and the pressure that the world is putting on them by saying, like, it's going to be okay and here's a way through. 
Hmm. Well, that's a nice thing to hear you say, because I feel like I, I do feel very nihilistic about comedy very often, mm. because it can be kind of like a, a it can be a way to um, hide vulnerability also. Absolutely. Um, so it's interesting you say that about Nanette, too. Um, so I want, I, I kind of want to wrap this up, but I, I wanted to say that, uh, um, I really liked one of the posts you had. What's your Instagram handle for the, cause that's part, part of what you're doing is your Instagram. Yeah. Yeah. It's at Kelly Tatham, um, K E L L Y T A T H A M. Yeah. And I also started a new account, um, at we live in a multiverse. Okay. And that's where I'm creating a space for my more esoteric thoughts and just really, really out there force type stuff where I could just put it out there freely. I liked one of your posts. You said, Oh God, what did you say? Ah, I don't even remember. I, when I started talking, I thought I would say it perfectly, but it was just kind of this thing of like, we already know all of each other or like something like that. Uh, I'm not sure. Oh man. I want to pull it up almost. Well, maybe I'll pull it up and then talk about it in the intro. But, um, I, I read it and I was like, that's true. It's like, um, I don't know. Cause I've, I've had this feeling before when talking to people, like if I'm very disconnected, I can also feel very disconnected from everybody around me and feel very separate. Mm -hmm. And then, but if I kind of connect, into something like I'll get this feeling when I meet people that I know everybody. Yeah. I think you had a post that was similar to that, but it was, it's just like this kind of weird feeling of like, and then when I, when I'm going through that, people will be like, I feel like I know you. And I'm like, you do. You remember, (laughs) you're remembering them from the future or from a different timeline. (laughs) I don't know. It's just like everything becomes very familiar. It's very strange. Anyway, but you have a lot of cool stuff on there that I think is, um, your process is interesting. Um, and, uh, I'm glad that you came over here and talked to me about it. Thank you so much for having me. This is so much fun. Yeah. It's a good excuse for me to connect and, uh, force myself to talk to people about these things. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it's great. I I hope you keep, I know, keep doing it because we need to talk about this. We need to talk about it comedically whenever possible. And, um, just keep getting the message out there because like the time is now. Brad. Okay. Thank you, Kelly. Thank you. Oh, oh.